BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ball picked up on a switch by Jordan. Flicks it and hits a three for his first NBA field goal. I guess everyone who said that ugly jumper, and yeah, it's ugly, is not going to be effective. Well, as you see, as he gets a deflection, he can knock it down, he can stretch the floor, and no better feeling than to get your first bucket. All the pressure kind of relieves. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the Dodgers are going to the World Series. Hey, there's something to be excited about, right, Tommy? Do you want to talk about that the whole night, or did something else happen? Uh, that was the only significant event that happened in LA sports, <laughs> so. 
Yes, it unfortunately was, but congratulations to the Dodgers for making it to the World Series, obviously, beating the Chicago Cubs. Uh, the Lakers did play tonight. It, it, it is opening week in the NBA. That's something to be uh, lit about in spite of the uh, bad injuries that we saw to Gordon Hayward and Jeremy Lin. The Lakers did play their season opener against the Clippers, Lonzo Ball's first game as a Los Angeles Laker. And unfortunately, it was anything but big baller brand. So we're going to get into it tonight. It's going to be raw, unplugged. Uh, Before we do, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that is how many baskets the Lakers will score. And that's not even a joke because they actually need some help getting any baskets that they can get. So please rate and review us. Thanks for everybody who got us over the hump. We are now at 202 reviews. Uh, because of the nature of this very raw and unplugged episode, we're going to skip the review portion and just head straight into our uh, black hole of thoughts here. So Tommy, hello, darkness, my old friend. How are you feeling? Not feeling too good. <laughs> not feeling too good. Um, all right, how should we how should we do this? So the Lakers lost 108 to 92. That score is not indicative of how bad they lost or how bad they looked actually. You know, it was funny like when the first half was going on, I was like, "Hey, we're within striking distance this entire time. We're only down 9 or like right. yeah, 9 points." Um but as you saw throughout the entire game, we that those 9 points might as well have been 25 points the entire time because the Lakers could not score to save their lives. Like I tweeted out, I'm not sure what's harder, passing a kidney stone or watching the Lakers try and get a bucket because right now it seems pretty even. So, Tommy, let's get into it. Um, Yeah, what were your impressions of the game in general? Uh, Horrible game. (laughs) Really boring just no flow, complete confusion on both ends, and it just, yeah, it sort of looked like they had no plan out there. Yeah, so we don't want to get all Armageddon on everybody. Uh, we're still going to try and keep this lit. Uh, it's only the first game. Nobody panic. It did look terrible. Let's start here, Tommy. What about that starting lineup? We said it in our last episode. We absolutely hated it. We hoped that it was just a one-time scrimmage thing. And that eventually Luke would wisen up and just play the guys who would space the floor the best, the guys who have been actually proving it on the court. And unfortunately, that did not happen. We had Luau Dang starting. Larry Nance, actually. You know, a lot of people were in uproar that Nance was starting, but he was actually one of our best players tonight with a double-double. He clearly wasn't the problem because he was one of the few guys who could finish whenever he got the ball um, from Lonzo. So, Tommy, what do you think about Luke Walton's coaching in this game and his decision to start Luau Dang and not only start Luau Dang but pretty much give him 13 minutes doesn't sound like a lot but for Luau Dang that is a hell of a lot especially given how this game started with him on the court for the first six seven minutes so yeah what are your thoughts on this ridiculous starting lineup uh I think ridiculous is a really appropriate word Luau Dang is if you're going to start Larry Nance Jr., who's already a guy that doesn't really want to space the floor and is limited, like very, like pretty significantly limited offensively, how are you going to start next to him, a guy who's basically the same size with the same, even worse limitations offensively? I just, I don't understand what you're accomplishing there. Um, Luol Dang can't shoot. Uh, he, you know, when he, he catches it, he's like pretty one dimensional. Um, He's a 
pretty he's a good defender, but he's lost a step in that category, especially when he's guarding small forwards. And we said in the last episode this is just not a lineup that makes any sense in any universe. And we're not like the type of team that can afford to go down big early and come out flat because we're not that good. So it's not like, Oh, come out flat, whatever. If we're down by five or six points, we'll like pick it up later. We need to come out as good as we can every single night because we're not talented. And Lou all dang doesn't let allow us to do that. And not only that, but this was like the worst lineup to have around Lonzo Ball. And even as the game progressed, the rotations weren't any better. You know, there was a there was a stint there in the first half when Jordan Clarkson was out there with Cal Kuzma and Larry Nance, and that seemed to work because Nance would just run with Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson would throw it up for Nance to catch lobs, and you know that was working out well. Jordan Clarkson could create on his own, create his own offense off the dribble. He was hitting some jump shots, but outside of that little stint, everything else was discombobulated. You know, one of the few guys who can catch Lonzo Ball's passes and actually do something with it after they've gotten the ball is Cal Kuzma, and they barely got any time together, it seemed like. Um, So I think even just the distribution of minutes and who the guys that he put together and paired up throughout the game was a mess as well. They just, the lineups just make no sense. Yeah, exactly. And and if you're going to start Lonzo Ball with that unit, I mean... How is he going to get off and get confident, you know, if he's not even he he didn't have an assist till the second quarter and his first assist was honestly, he was like two feet away from Brooke Lopez in the paint and he kind of just shovel passed it to him and Brooke Lopez took like a hook shot from the free throw line and that was Lonzo Ball's first assist. Like, that's not pretty, you know, that that's not the type of of assist I thought we were going to get from Lonzo Ball. So and it's yeah, like yeah and and it just the lineup the weird lineup stuff continued through the end of the game it's like this is a young team and the, the lineups that you think are going to be your power lineups need to get reps together Lonzo Ball has never played with Brook Lopez before tonight he's never even played with Larry Nance Jr in the starting lineup before tonight because in those first two games I believe Randall started both right the first two preseason games that Lonzo actually played yeah. So he's also never played with, I mean, I think Luol Deng actually did start at the first uh, preseason game, but hasn't really played a ton with Luol Deng. And it's just like the only guy he's really played some a little bit with is B.I., who started the first two games as well. And also they have the summer league experience. So it's just like you're throwing him out there not only with guys he's unfamiliar with, but with no nobody that like uh, compliments his abilities. And... Yeah, it's just, it was just atrocious. And theoretically, like, Brooke Lopez is a good spacer, right? But when he's the only spacer on the floor as the center, that's pretty easy to scheme for as the other team. And you saw that, you know? Like, they knew that Brooke Lopez was the only one who was going to be shooting threes. And anytime anybody else got the ball, whether it was Nance, they knew Nance wasn't going to dribble the ball. If Brandon Ingram got it, they knew he was going to try and do, like, a dribbling exhibition and either go BOC in the lane or turn it over. And outside, and they knew Lonzo Ball wasn't going to score for himself, you know? So literally, the only play they had in their back pocket was Brooke Lopez sets a screen, Lonzo Ball dribbles three or four times, and then pitches it back out to Lopez for a shot. Granted, Lopez should have hit more of his open jump shots and, and whatnot, but even if he had hit those, it wouldn't have made a difference. You know, the spacing was still bad. Uh, that's literally the only play that they could go to because the spacing was so bad and nobody else was doing anything, you know, cutting off off ball, setting off ball screens and whatnot. And it just looked 
sad, you know, like this does not look like new era basketball. In fact, it looks like we've regressed. It's just we're shooting threes, I guess, you know. Yeah. Um, so, let, I mean, let's do this. Let's start off generally. Um, I mean, we're already starting on the offensive end. So, um, yeah, do you have anything else to say about how we looked offensively? Because it was such a struggle for these guys to get buckets. It, it looks like they don't have any set plays all of a sudden. You know, I kind of told you in our message thread that all offseason long, we heard about how these guys never stopped competing. They've been in the gym every single day, 25-8. They're working so hard. And now my problem is, and my worry is, I feel like they've been working hard pointlessly, like in a futile yeah. way. Like it feels like, all right, it doesn't matter. It's That's great that they were in the gym every day, but it's kind of sounds like they were just playing really fast pickup ball with no semblance of how organized systematic nba teams play today and so their version of what they think is good basketball is probably just like yeah we're running really fast up and down and it's chaos and brandon ingham looks good lonzo ball looks good in this in this setting but they don't know how to actually play against a a real nba defense or actual or guard real nba offenses so yeah what did you see on on the offensive end today like was there anything that looked good for you uh no nothing looked good at all uh, and like, like as a preface to everything, I think we're going to talk about um, on this episode. The Clippers are—they're not a great team, and they've obviously lost a lot by losing Chris Paul and losing Redick. Um, but they've also gained some guys, and this is a veteran team. You know what I mean? Like, yes, three of their five starters are new, but Blake Griffin, Danilo Gallinari, DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly. These are guys who've been in the league for a long time. Even Teodosic, although he's hasn't been in the league for a long time, he's still 30. And and to be honest, he even kind of looked like a rookie. He had some really bad turnovers and he shot 2 for 9 in this game. You know what I mean? But but uh the rest of their team, you know, Willie Reed off the bench, Wes Johnson even had a weirdly <laughs> good game. The Wes Johnson <laughs> revenge game. Wes Johnson revenge game. So like he's a veteran, Lou Williams, crafty veteran who like can put up uh, volume points and, and get some good assists, like as we saw when he was on our team. Um, these are all veterans, and the only veteran we have, because Caldwell Pope wasn't able to play, I mean, the only veterans we have are really Lopez and Dang, and Dang is not an NBA, you know, is not like a scorer in the NBA at this stage in his career. And Brooke Lopez got off to a really sl- slow start because he only played like two, basically like, 20, what do you play, like 30 minutes in the preseason or something? So it just, uh, the offense is not there, but I mean, we're, I know we're going to talk about defense, but it, I just want to preface everything by saying I, I, it's not that we, we played horrendously, but yes, the Clippers are a veteran team. Yes, they probably should have won this game anyway, but the execution, there's just nothing. Everything the Clippers were doing, I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of interesting to me looking at the stats because the Clippers shot a lower percentage than we did. They shot 39%, but it seemed like they were able to get wide open threes. They were able to get easy looks. They just weren't necessarily knocking them down. And, you know, they shot 36% from three shooting, attempting 33 threes. So that was a big difference in the game. They made eight more threes than us. That's like a 24 point swing, you know? So it's just stuff like that. It just shows that we're nowhere near where we need to be offensively to compete with other NBA teams. And I totally, totally agree with you that a lingering fear is, okay, yeah, they look great and they're running fast and they're competing and 
they're having fun, but like, what are they doing though? You know what I mean? It's like when we used to get pissed two years ago, which is crazy to think that we've been doing this for, have we been doing this for two years? Yeah. We Just have about two years. Yeah. So <laughs> feels like about five years, years the way the Lakers. Are I know it does. It really does. But, just to like, we used to complain about, okay, what the heck is the point of Randall? Oh, Randall and Ron Artest or Meta World Peace are really getting into it in practice and they're going at each other like two bulls. I'm like, but we, our, our response was always, <laughs> how the heck, how does that help? Okay. Randall's not allowed to run over people in the, in the real NBA games. So how does him ramming it like sumo wrestling with Meta World Peace during practice help us? And that's sort of the same thing here. It's like, how does running around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off, how's that going to help us? And the sad part is, and what worries me the most, is you brought up the Clippers' bad percentage. Like, the Lakers play pretty good defense, even though the Clippers also miss easy shots. Like, they were competing, you know? They were getting boards. Like, you saw Larry Nance and Lonzo Ball yeah. skying for boards. Like, Nance had 12 rebounds, Lonzo Ball had 9, and... They only shot 39%. And what worries me is even with them only shooting 39% and our guys getting all these boards is what happened to the transition fast break super pace and space game, Tommy? Like, wouldn't this be the perfect game where if you hold a team to 39% under 40 that, you know, you'd be zipping up and down and getting easy buckets and you only end up shooting 40% and we barely get to see. I mean, we saw some nice like lob plays from Larry Nance. We saw some nice passes from Brandon Ingram to Nance. It seems like Larry Nance was the only recipient of any transition points pretty much. <laughs> but what what happened there, you know? they I feel like our entire offense is relegated on solely transition and there's no backup plan b and what's sad is we're not very good in transition because we don't have guys who can finish or create off the dribble like even if brandon ingram gets the ball he starts to like hop around with it and dribble too much and then he'll go into the lane with without much care in the world and without knowing what to do with the ball almost like julius randall to be honest with you uh in the weaker sense of the word so what happened to the transition game is that going to get fixed or or what's going to happen yeah, transition, again, a huge, huge thing to be worried about because we led the NBA preseason in transition percentage, meaning percentage, not not like our completion percentage, <laughs> tra- meaning percentage of plays run in transition. I think 23% of our plays were run in transition in the preseason, which, which led the NBA. However, we were about, I think, 24th or maybe bottom five in transition efficiency, meaning that like we're running around and we're doing acting all crazy and in and, and this and that, but like, we're not able to finish. Yep. And what's the point if you're not able to finish again, it's like Lonzo can get us out running and he can like be a guy that could like ignite and change the culture. But he, if he's running and throwing it ahead to Brandon Ingram and Brandon Ingram has no idea what to do with the ball that does that's not going to help us if Julius Randle's going to run people over that's not going to help us Larry Nance Jr is not he can finish but he's not a guy who can really catch and do make a move in transition at all um you know Kuzma doesn't play with Lonzo really apparently even though they <laughs> they completely beasted in the summer league together and in the preseason when they played together uh it just, a lot of things don't really make sense. You know, it's, let's not put Lonzo out there with Clarkson, who's like another guard who can run with him and like catch it. And like, honestly, some of the good plays we had in the first half were when Lonzo and Clarkson overlap yep. for a little bit in the first quarter. And, you know, before the Clippers went on like their run to end the first quarter and 
we kind of got it like a two point, not maybe we were either tied or up by one or two or something. And, and uh, Lonzo and Clarkson had a couple good plays where Lonzo would at least, you know, push it ahead to Clarkson and then Clarkson would make a good play. So, but unfortunately we, we never really saw those lineups together and there's just, for all this analytics and this and that nonsense that it's that we keep talking about, it seems like there's no application. So what are your feelings on Luke Walton right now? Because again, he's making moves that, you know, for, like you said, for all we talk about with regards to spacing the floor, the, you know, having versatility on the floor analytics, you would think that it wouldn't be so hard to, even in the second half, once you've already realized this Luau Dang thing isn't working, let me just start what did work in the first half, which was Jordan Clarkson, and even just Kyle Kuzma. Even just having Kyle Kuzma there as a, you know, a thought to be a threat on the perimeter would have helped, you know? And he yeah. still ended up having Luau Dang in there. And then when he didn't have Luau Dang, he had Corey Brewer in there. And granted, yeah. Corey Brewer could run the floor, but outside of that, he didn't really do anything else to help us out. And given how yep. futile this team is looking, just run the young guys out there, you know? Have them, yep. s- let's see what they can do. Like, Kyle Kuzma only had 18 minutes in this dumpster fire of a game. Julius Randle only had 17 minutes, although, you know, he came out with very poor effort and Luke Walton was yeah, pissed at did. him. And Lonzo Ball, I know it looks like, I know it says he has 29 minutes, but 20 of those came in the first half, okay? Yeah. So... I mean, like, what are your thoughts on, on Luke Walton? Should should we be worried a little, or yeah? I think we should be a little bit worried because, again, it's all like talk and talk and talk. But like, when are you going to put your money where your mouth is? And all we've seen from Luke really is like this vague notion of like, let's play pace and space. But there's no like real execution again of that plan, like. I know he's only been here for two years. I know he has a young team, but like we've seen so many other coaches go into other situations and implement their systems. And with, yeah, maybe the first year it doesn't go so well, but by year two, you start to see, even if it's, even if they're not winning games, even if it looks ugly at times, like you start to see semblance uh, and remnants of like a system that's being run out there and we're in year two. And yes, again, I understand half our team is like basically new, but it's still like, there's no, like we were in camp since mid September. Uh, it's now, you know, mid October. It's been like a month. We had six preseason games. We've had like weeks and weeks and weeks of practice. And again, it's still, it just looks like there's no, like, you're not going to implement an offense in the middle of a season, you know what I mean? So yeah. when is that going to come? It's just so weird to me that 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 uh, he seems to be lacking in the X's nose so much, and or not really seem to... He doesn't really seem to care too much about it, I guess, is a bigger concern. And, and yeah, like we've continued to talk about, and probably will continue to talk about, just the lineups that he's running out there together just make no sense. Like, again, like you said, Julius Randle had no energy tonight and so maybe he didn't need to play a lot of minutes but Kuzma played well Clarkson played well Lonzo actually played well I thought despite his stats um and you know figure out a a five-man group that works and and try to go with that for a little bit it's like for Luke it always has to be oh this group this group isn't giving me energy so let's like make a five-man line change 
I'm like so sick of seeing that in these games. It's like, oh, this is this is my statement move as a coach. Like Phil did this once, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it's almost like that's what he's saying. And it's like, no, dude, figure out what works. Just because your second five man unit that you got on, you know, your first five man unit was a minus ten, and your second was a plus two, doesn't mean you made a correct coaching move. If if like within those players. You know, five, one guy is a minus 25 and one guy's a plus 10. You should probably pull, put those types of players together and then see what happens. You know, it's like you win by having the, you need scheme, you need all this and that, but you also need the most talent on the floor. And when you're going up against Blake Griffin, Gallinari, DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly, and even Teo Dosage, you need to have talent out there. And, if you're running Luol Deng together with, you know, Larry Nance Jr., you're limiting yourself. And Brandon Ingram, who hasn't shown anything offensively, you're limiting yourself. You need to, like, figure out lineups that work together and run those lineups together. Yeah, I'm worried because, like you said, it doesn't seem like there's any scheme being implemented or involved here. And he'll probably still use the excuse that they haven't implemented it yet. But... There are times, like, what good is it to have a offensively talented center like Brooke Lopez if at the end of the day, most of these games, we're just going to see him do the Brooke Mamba and go one-on-one by himself. And he's a good passer, you know, but that's not being shown because there's no scheme to it. You know, there's no system in play and he he won't be able to pass the cutting dudes and all that stuff. I think the the best play they had between Brooke Lopez and someone else was like a dribble handoff to Brandon Ingram for like an easy cut into the and one layup that he had. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. there's somewhat of a play and it was an easy shot from Brandon Ingram. Let's try more of those guys instead of looking yeah. like we are struggling, struggling, struggling to get anything, squeeze anything out of here, you know? And I think Brooke Lopez even gets frustrated at times that he just starts going going off on his own and it just looks so bad you know i'm like i did not come here to watch 82 games of brooke lopez trying to be kobe yeah because brooke lopez isn't like a let me take you let me go off the dribble and take a step you know make a shimmy shake move and then shoot off the dribble (laughs) he's doing that he's doing it though (laughs) yeah and he has to do it because there's no offense you know what i mean it's like to make an nba 2k analogy here which i know this is not like some people aren't gonna like this but whatever it's like when the Lakers are in practice, they're practicing against like rookie mode level defense where you can yeah. just literally throw the ball ahead and get dunks. And if you don't have a dunk, you run one pick and roll and you get a three open <laughs> three pointer or a dunk. Okay. But when they play in the real games, they're like Hall of Fame level. And now a pick and roll doesn't work anymore in Hall of Fame level. Okay. So you can, you have to start using the, your playbook a little bit. And unfortunately, the Lakers don't have a playbook slash they're like me and NBA 2K where like, I don't know any of the plays. So it looks like a cluster mess when I try to run plays. Um, and that's kind of what I feel like when I watch them uh, in real life, which is not fun to watch. Yeah. Cl- a cluster mess. Uh, that's an understatement, but <laughs> try to keep it uh, PG here. Yeah. Very PG. So let's, let's see. Let's see. I think a lot of players are going to be on the, uh, disappointment pile tonight but let's run through really quickly do we have a player of the game oh, God, for tonight <laughs> player of the game um i'd say i'd say jordan clarkson yeah i would say jordan clarkson i mean he had 18 points I, seven for 16 yeah. shooting yeah go ahead uh, yeah i was just gonna say he kept us in the game in the first half to the best of his ability he had a couple decent passes he uh Showed some activity defensively, and he hit two threes. So 
You know, if he if he is hitting his threes, you know, he's not going to shoot two for three every night, obviously. But if he's, you know, making one, if he's averaging, you know, 1.8 or, you know, I don't I can't remember what numbers we talked about in the last episode. But if he's hitting threes at a decent clip this year and he's coming off the bench and playing with energy, that's really all you can ask for. He's really improved every game since, like, the first two games in preseason. Um and I actually thought I, I think he's looking uh, pretty good for us right now, um, especially if we can keep his minutes relatively low like we have been. And he's going to continue to look like our saving grace because nobody else can get their own shot seemingly on this team right now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, Jordan Clarkson well, is yeah. my guy too. So, how about your offensive player of the game? I think for me, I'm going to go with. It's kind of obvious, but it's it's the Nance put back over Blake Griffin. He got up really yeah. high and extended his arms. I mean, he pretty much Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin. And I think the the next play after that, Blake Griffin tried to dunk the ball, but he couldn't do it. I mean, Blake Griffin had a pretty nasty one on Randall tonight. That was sick. But uh, at least yeah. for that little stretch, Larry Nance had the upper hand on Blake Griffin and with a very, very athletic play. So uh, what is your offensive play of the game? Same exact play. I, you know, I wish I could be more creative, but... That play was very exciting, and it kind of – the first, like, three minutes of the game felt so flat, and once Nance hit that dunk over yep. Blake Griffin on a tip, I was like, oh, this is going to be the thing that gets us going. But that was, like, the only good play of the entire game, and we really were that flat for 47 out of 48 minutes other than the one minute Nance dunked that ball in. <laughs> yeah, in spite of the fact we're the never-stop-competing Lakers, as they say. All right, defensive play of the game. I think there were actually a couple here, and I just want to uh, shout out Andrew Bogut. This is the first time we saw him in a Lakers uniform, and he looked good, dude. I was like, whoa, this guy is very solid. I was very surprised. Like, nobody could get a shot on him, you know? Like, whether or not he was blocking it or stealing the ball, like, people, the Clippers are having a hard time flipping up any sort of shot whenever they were in his vicinity, and, and, you know, Andrew Bogut, as advertised, is just this, like, really rock-solid boulder of a guy. And uh, he really proved it tonight. He had one steal, two blocks, and some of those, two of those blocks were very emphatic. But uh, what's your defensive play of the game? I think for me, it would be the Lonzo Ball-Larry Nance combo in the second half against DeAndre Jordan, where uh, Lonzo block. Ball kind of impeded... DeAndre Jordan on his way up. I think kind of swiped at the ball too. And then Larry Nance came in and pretty much cuff blocked the ball. Uh, he ended up turning the ball yeah, over on the sick. other end you know, in transition because mm-hmm. we can't play in transition. But that, was, yeah, but that was a very impressive, again, a very impressive athletic feat by Larry Nance on the defensive end. So what about you? Uh, I'm going to go with Bogut's first block. Uh, he, it was like a baseline flip shot. I, do you remember who it was? It, was it, it Rivers? Was somebody driving. My, yeah, must I be it was Rivers. Rivers driving, and then yeah, Bogut came on the weak side and just look. This guy is like seven one. He's got like decent length, but he's not athletic at all. You know, I mean, he was at one point, but now he's just a seven footer, two hundred sixty pounds, like thirty two year old kind of you know a lot of injuries over the course of his career. He's like a low to the ground type player, but it really shows you how just good defensive awareness and like body positioning can help you like Rivers should have easily been able to flip up that shot over Bogut and Bogut just hand like rejected it like so easily. And like you said, just that play stood out, but he was just around the entire time. And I know we're talking defense right now, but even offensively, this guy has not played one preseason game. 
if you watch him with the ball, he is r- making every read. He's looking for, he knows every backdoor cut. He knows, you know, when to give it to the guy at, when he sets the screen, he has that little like slip it between his leg pass. Yeah. Uh, for a guy coming between the screen that he used to run in golden state all the time with like Steph and clay. And, uh, yeah, I was like very over uh, impressed with him overall. He only played 11 minutes, but I think he'll probably play around that many minutes per game anyway. So I don't think that's really like a conditioning thing. I think that's just how many minutes he's going to play, you know, 11 to 13 maybe. So overall solid game for him. Yeah, I kind of feel sorry for him because like you said, he it seemed like he wanted to pass the ball to these guys, but nobody was either doing the right thing, making the right cuts or catching the ball and finishing. As you can see, he had three turnovers. And I feel bad for him. It seems like he's just babysitting out there. And it's such a stark contrast from what he's used to, you know. And he probably wants to make some of those whip passes to guys, either cutting to the basket or popping out to the three-point line. And he he unfortunately can't with these kids on the floor. So hopefully things will come together as the season progresses. We have to hope. So, yeah, I mean... So I, I think to close this show, we have to hit on the main guys real quick. Um, so we talked about Lonzo Ball. He had three points in 29 minutes. One for six. He did hit his first three-pointer, which was nice. And Yeah, and he a couple of those, like one for six, but two of the shots were kind of be Like, I don't know what he was doing on that one play where, like, he drove all the way to the rim and it... He looked like he short-stepped his jump or something. He, like, threw it off the wrong hand. It was so weird. I don't know what he was it's trying like to do. It's like a layup that we would try, right? Because it went off the glass really hard, and I was like, are you trying to lob it to Nance? Yeah. <laughs> it was super weird. So he had, like, two weird shots where I felt like he got he actually made a good move, but he just didn't finish right at the rim. Um, so one for six, a little misleading. To me, actually, I think he needs to be more off- aggressively – Sorry, more aggressive offensively. Yeah. Like he showed he can be in that like 36 points. I know it's Summer League, huge <laughs> caveats, but he dropped 36 points in a Summer League game. Uh, he can at least drop, you know, 15 or 16 <laughs> in an NBA game, I would think, if he was taking the shot. So I'd like to see him. The passing is going to come. Um, and it's weird because with most, most guys you say, like, get the, get other people involved and like, you know, you can score later, but with Lonzo, it's like, he can always pass, but he should probably score at first to like set the tone and like make him even a more deadly player. Yeah. And you know, the problem with Lonzo offensively is too often, instead of turning the corner and really turning aggressively, he'll stop his dribble and then look to Brooke Lopez or someone on the perimeter, you know, and it, it's very predictable. And if he's not going to keep the defense honest, then I mean, that's where the spacing gets all messed up, you know? Where at least if, if he tries to get go all the way in for a drive or even to get contact for a foul or something, at least that changes things up a bit for us on the offensive end. But too often, he's almost like Larry Nance. He'll cut off his own dribble yeah. and then, like, dribble back out. So uh, I will say I really liked his rebounding. He skied for all of his rebounds. I was like, hey, all right. It seems- Dude, he's, uh, he's very athletic. He is. He had nine rebounds. And it, I mean, it's unfortunate because if we just showed you clips of him rebounding tonight, you'd be like, oh man, the Lakers must have had a billion fast break points, right? And unfortunately, it just stopped short of there where he'd get the exciting rebound and almost, you know, take two or three really exciting steps and then nothing else happened after that, unfortunately. But hopefully, yeah, you know, in the facet, you know, in the facet, too. Nobody could finish it once he did. So, well, dang, is too slow to run. <laughs> and Brandon Ingram has lost all ability to. Put up a decent, yeah, put up a decent shot. So, you know, Lonzo Ball, not a... Yeah, free throws at least. Yeah. Uh, Lonzo Ball, not a horrific start. 
underwhelming, obviously. Not bad. Leaves really a not lot bad, to, yeah, yeah, not bad, but leaves still leaves a lot to be desired. Um But I think indeed he'll like Yeah. I was just gonna add, he'll kinda go as the team goes, and the team was not going any you know, in any positive direction today. So I know that's kinda like a cop out. Like obviously everybody plays better when the team is playing well, but it, it, especially for him because he's so like it's like he gets more energy himself when his teammates are hitting shots and everything just starts clicking and motoring. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get to this in, like, remote positives to look at. But, uh, you know, in Summer League, it kind of started like this, too. So hopefully hopefully there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Hopefully. All right, so let's move on to Brandon Ingram. 30 minutes, 3 for 15 from the field. I think you actually predicted his stats pretty well tonight in our message thread. He had 12, yeah. 12 points, five rebounds, four assists. I think he looked a lot worse than these numbers would indicate. He had some nice passes, honestly, yeah. when he you know took his man the off the dribble. How bad he was. Yeah, yeah, 315 for sure. Three for 15 for sure. Um, but I did like that he had four assists and, and one turnover. He had a couple of those, those assists were really nice passes to Larry Nance. Outside of that, though... It was kind of more of the same from what we saw in summer league. I mean, preseason, sorry, where he would just go off on his own dribble, dribble, and then pull up, and then they would just be way off, you know? And I don't know who is teaching him to do these things, but he should be yeah. getting easier baskets. He should be curling off screens, like that one play where he got the and one layup. Like, those should be the majority of his shots. And then I, I tweeted it out as well. I was like, Brandon Ingram's mid-range jump shot is just not there right now. You know what has been since he was a rookie? The turnaround jump shot from the post. Like, we should have more plays where we have him on a mismatch, like that one play where he hit the turnaround jump shot on Patrick Beverly, so he can actually mm-hmm. do that, you know, on the the elbow or the post where he can just turn around and shoot because he's taller than those guys, and it seems like whenever he turns around, it kind of softens up softens up his shot. And it looks a lot more pure than when he's trying to get it off the dribble. You know, I don't think that shot is there yet. And he's trying to force it too much to be there because he's like, oh, this is what scorers do, right? They just pull off, pull up off the dribble. And I don't think he made, yeah. he maybe made one pull up dri- like he shot. He doesn't have that shot. Yeah. But right now he's just forcing. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not a good shooter off the dribble. I think there's some stat that he's like 20th or last year he was like 20th percentile in the NBA. And even in Duke, he wasn't that good at shooting off the dribble. So that's something that's going to develop. The issue here is that like people, (laughs) this is like, I don't want to blame magic Johnson for this, but that 20 point per game, Brandon Ingram is a 20 point per game scorer. is just so ridiculous. The guy's barely 20 years old. Okay. He's good. He has potential. He does certain things well for his age, certain things very well. The problem is we're put, you know, we're putting him in a position to, where he's like all of his deficiencies are highlighted. It's like taking, you know, Kelly Oubre is a, this is just a random wing I could think of. Okay. Who's young Kelly Oubre. You might know him random. Like he's backup small forward on the wizards. I think most people think of him as a solid backup small forward and like a nice young prospect. The thing there is that he doesn't have to do anything he's not good at doing. You know what I mean? Kelly Oubre comes in the game, he plays defense, he catches and shoots, and he runs in transition and finishes. And, you know, he curls around screens and, you know, he cut, does back cuts and takes easy shots. Brandon Ingram is being asked, you know, right now his skill level is, like, at that level, but his he's being asked to play like he's Kevin Durant. He's not Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? He's yeah. not going to take you off the dribble, shoot it in your face. That's not his game. He needs to 
He had his offense on mismatches in the post, on curling off screens, like you said, and on catch-and-shoot jump shots. Yeah. That's it. The, he can't do, like, take like, putting Brandon on one side and being like, all right, go ISO and get us a bucket. That, like, maybe even this season by the end, that might be something he can do, but that's not something he can do right now. And I just, we're not helping his case, like, and we're not going to help him get better we're not going to help him raise his 39% free th- uh, shooting percentage from last year <laughs> if we continue to put him in these horrible pos- positions where he has to like do everything by himself. It's just oh – God, it's so brutal. It's like I want to be annoyed at him and I am, but like I'm also just more annoyed by like the coaching staff for having this young talent and putting him in these horrible positions. Yeah, and I think the way that they think they're helping him out is by giving him the ball in these situations to figure out – to, or to try and do something, you know, and he keeps failing. And I think what you're saying is like, stop doing that. That's unnecessary. And I agree. It's unnecessary. Like he has a good feel for the game. And by virtue of having a good feel for the game, he will be a decent passer. You don't need to make him into point Giannis. You know what I mean? He's not point Giannis. He doesn't have the handles. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. He's not, you know, like he's not the same player. So he can get three, four assists a game by not like, you know, doing too much by himself with the ball. He'll just, it'll come within the flow of the offense, but they're trying to put the ball in his hands way too much and make him like the Kobe Bryant. When like reality, this is a team that's supposed to be everybody swing the ball. Everybody get equal shots. Nobody over dribble. The shots should come in the flow of the offense while the ball is moving. Yep. Like, kind of how it, like sadly, how kind of how it looked in summer league. Yeah. It's like the summer league team played so much harder. I mean, and again, to big caveat, summer league, second big. You mean preseason or summer league? I'm, no, I mean actually summer oh, okay. league. Like big caveat, summer league and second caveat, even the summer league team really looked pretty bad in the, fir- in the first two games before they started just rolling over teams. So maybe we need to give this group a little more time. But this group, I mean, has had more time because they had a preseason. So I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I'd feel more comfortable with them feeding Kyle Kuzma these same ISO plays than I would Brandon Ingram. King Kyle Kuz. King Kyle Kuz. So let's move on to Kyle Kuzma, who shaved his head, added a Kyle headband. And, uh, you know. Headband Kuz. Wait, what? Headband Kuz. Headband Kuz. Head Kuzy. Um, Band Kuzy. So yeah. it's good that he didn't totally come out there with a with a donut and become a pumpkin spice latte, which I thought he would once the regular season started. I was actually encouraged by the fact that he came out shooting, you know, like just as he's yeah. been doing. And for me, mentality is a huge thing. If if Kyle Kuzma was going to regress, I always thought it was going to be a mental issue because the shot is for real, the skills are for real, and all he needs to do is, you know, go into the regular season with that same confidence. And I think I was encouraged by tonight that it seems like he's still has the confidence in himself to just continue doing what he's doing, whether or not the shots fall. And um, he missed his first two shots or whatever, but then, you know, followed it up with like a floater shortly after that and it ended the game with four for eight, eight points. Didn't force anything. Um, only 18 minutes. This guy should have started, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. But um, I, for me, it's, it's, I just hope he gets more minutes. And I think as the season becomes more and more futile, he will. I'm just, yeah, again, I'm just encouraged by the fact that it doesn't seem like he's a mentally fragile dude, you know, like he know he believes in himself, he believes in his skill and how much he's worked since he graduated from college, and he's gonna let it fly, you know, so, and he has been, so I would just encourage him to keep doing that, you know, um, what, what did you think of Kyle? 
Um, I think Kyle Kuzma's three-point shot is, like, at least in games, is not there. And I can't figure out why, because I've seen all the clips of him in practice just, like, raining threes, you know? And he has such a good stroke, and when he takes even long twos and coming around screens and all this and that, he looks really good. He shot well from three in Summer League, but he only really had, like, one good game in preseason from three, like the second game, um, where he put up 23 points. The rest of the games... He either didn't attempt, I mean, in one game he just only attempted one, but in the other games it was like one for four, one for six, two for seven, oh for six. So, and then tonight, oh for two. So I think that part of his game isn't there yet, um, or at least where we hoped it would be from Summer League, but he does so many other things, it doesn't matter. Like, he's, he shot over two, but he still shot four for eight from the field. He hit shots in semi-transition, he hit shots like making his creating his own play like going into the paint and shooting floaters uh he he's he looked pretty good he looked active on defense he needs more minutes it's absurd he's like getting 19 minutes and bright and uh luol deng is getting 13 and you know cory brewer is getting 16 like how is cory <laughs> how, how did 16? that happen what the heck how did and that happen Brewer is getting 16 and luol deng is getting 13 and kuzma's getting 19 like what like Corey Brewer should be getting at least like first of all, Timon, like, what are you why doing? Are we, why are we playing twelve deep? You know, it's the first game of the season. Like all of those minutes should have gone to uh, to uh, Kuzma and just put him out there for like thirty minutes or whatever. And I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, so I'm not too worried about the three point shot. I think that's going to come around and he's going to keep shooting because his yeah, stroke is totally fine. And honestly, once the offense gets into some sort of flow, hopefully, and they start running some more plays, I think that'll come around. And like you said, it's a good thing that he can score in so many other ways that he's not totally reliant on that to be productive, which is the great thing about Kyle Kuzma, right? He's, He's a really versatile offensive player. So, yeah, I mean, all right, so we play the Suns tomorrow. Um, That should be a dumpster fire of a game, but at least we should score more. I just hope, yeah. I, I don't know, I mean, we might both score 120, but it might be, like, such a, like, an up and down, like, turnover fest, no defense whatsoever. Well, yeah. What do you think? I, I, like, the only thing I'll say about that game is, like, again, in this game, we played a veteran team that competes defensively. I mean, besides, DeAndre Jordan is, like, a perennial defensive player of the year candidate for good reason, and... He showed that tonight. He had 24 rebounds in 32 minutes, which is absurd. He didn't have any blocks, but that's because he deters so many shots. It's like, he, yeah, he doesn't get the block because nobody, everybody's afraid to shoot against him. But they have him. They have Patrick Beverly, who was just hounding us and harassing us. Taya Dosich is a big guard. And this is all obviously Austin Rivers off the bench, great defender, all ignoring the fact that we have really not great offensive players. So when you have a veteran team that's competing defensively, like that's weirdly lost to us like four or five times on opening night before and wants to like put us in our place. Is it that surprising? We look this, I mean, I, you still don't want to see a team come out and compete this poorly. Um, but yeah, we should have lost this game tomorrow night against Phoenix. It's like, Phoenix doesn't lacks all of those things that help the uh, Clippers destroy us today. Like they don't start really a ton of veterans or they don't really really have a ton of veterans on their roster. It's pretty much Tyson Chandler. Who's getting pretty washed up at this stage 
and Eric Bledsoe. And beyond those two guys, they don't really run a lot of veterans out there. They are kind of the same level that we are in terms of bringing their guys along. Like you figure they'll want a bounce back game, but if we can, again, bring the energy defensively, we should at least be able to somewhat execute offensively and, and if I don't, they scored 76 points in the first game against not a very good defensive team. So if we can hold them to under 90, maybe we can win. I just, I don't know. So if we end up looking bad tomorrow, then we hit the panic button, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I won't hit the panic button for a while, but I'm definitely not encouraged. All right. So yeah, it should at least be a little more competitive tomorrow and hopefully we get the win and we show some yeah. pride and we show some of that never stop competing grind and grit mentality they've been talking about tomorrow and hashtag flash the progress everybody we're still going to keep it lit for as long as we can the lakers have to do their part though but it is the start of the nba season the start of lakers basketball it's the best time of the year the dodgers are going to the world series still a lot of fun to be had i just think it's going to be a long kind of year just strap strap yourself in hope you have some snacks because yeah because we suck (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah we'll we'll leave it there once again please follow us on twitter at lakers legacy pod please also rate interview us on itunes yada yada lakers play tomorrow tommy i will catch you later later peace This is what Flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more cake. Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.